welcome to the Confidence Conversation podcast with me, Joy Burnford. This show explores the world of women, work, and what it takes to feel more confident. A lack of confidence is not a crime, so if you need some motivation, inspiration, or a boost of confidence, grab a cuppa, go for a dog walk, or escape for a drive, and join us for today's conversation about confidence. Our focus for this season is on well-being and self-care, and I'll be talking to some incredible women and experts from around the world to share their real-life stories, advice, and tips to help you manage your well-being alongside your career. And I'd like to say a big thank you to Coach Matters for sponsoring this season. Coach Matters offers recently qualified and experienced coaches the opportunity to expand their business development capabilities, allowing them to reach more clients and lead successful coaching careers through network membership, programs, masterclasses, and wellbeing events, they provide a supportive learning space for coaches to thrive. Coach Matters is offering our listeners an exclusive offer of three months free membership of its network when you reference this podcast. To find out more, see the link in the show notes or visit coachmatters.co.uk forward slash MCM. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Jennifer Moss to the podcast. Jennifer is the Chief R&D Officer of Pladis, the second largest biscuit manufacturer in the world, and the company behind British brands including McVitie's and Jacob's. Today's conversation explores how to find passion and purpose in what we do. Good morning, Jennifer, and welcome to the Confidence Conversation. Good morning, and thank you for having me. It's great to be here. It's lovely to have you, and seeing you sitting there with all those biscuits behind you is making me very hungry. (laughs) (laughs) It's always important to have biscuits at all times, biscuits and chocolate. Absolutely. So uh, the theme for this season of the podcast is well-being and self-care. So today we're going to chat about your background and career, managing well-being and self-care alongside work and the importance of looking after yourself whilst progressing your career. So I wonder if we could start, if you could tell me a little bit about your background and career and how you've reached where you are today. Mm. How have I reached my dream job of chocolates and biscuits and all that sort of stuff? I certainly didn't think this is where I was going to end up at the beginning of my career, although there was early signs. I always loved chemistry and science and understanding how things worked, how did things come together. And as I was in high school and I went on a week's work experience in a laboratory and they were making Ulan creams and Pantene and products like that, that I went, oh my goodness, these are actually science in all these products that dawned on me. Every product that we touch every day, there's science involved, there's engineering involved. And so from that moment, I did an industrial chemistry degree and then a PhD in chemical engineering. PhD in chemical engineering told me and convinced me, no, I wanted to go into skincare, personal care, food, anything. I wasn't the person in the chemical factory. So from there, I was so lucky to be picked up by Procter & Gamble, the makers of products like Ulan and Pantene and and those products. And from the very beginning, I was moved to Japan. So my first role straight out of university was in Japan, which then is the second bit of how I ended up where I am. I love to understand how things work and how do you make things work and how does a product get to the supermarket into your homes. But then I was put into Japan looking after Japanese and Chinese skincare and understanding that consumer. And that became my second love was 
being in an environment where I was not connected, I still used the bar soap on my face. I thought I was young. I thought that would be fine. And these Japanese consumers were using eight, ten steps to cleanse and make up. So it was why were they doing and how do they do it? So it brought together the science and the consumer to develop a product that you love. So that has been my career all the way through. I went from Procter & Gamble to the Unilever, and when Unilever allowed me to move into foods from personal care. And then, then I was like, oh my goodness, I should have started in food research and development from the beginning because I love food, I love baking, I, lo I love all that thing. So I looked after, you know, Wall's ice cream products, Lipton tea, canola products, you, you may, and the science and getting teams to together to how to evolve that. From that, I moved to the Campbell Soup Company, but in their international, which that international role, I was had teams from Mexico all the way up to Europe and China and down to Australia. And every consumer was different, but they were same in some ways, but different in the others. So it really pulling together an international team like that was fantastic. So from Campbell's Soup Company owns, and for all those looking at the biscuits in the background, an Australian company called Arnott's, which is for all the British knows, it's, it's the penguin equivalent or not equivalent. It's the Tim Tam. And so I worked with chocolates and biscuits through that part of my career as well. And then moved to North America, looked after Campbell's Soup R in North America, so understanding what consumers wanted that through the beginning of the pandemic, then this dream job came along. Yeah, the chief R&D officer of the Platters Group and chocolate and biscuits and understanding consumers around the world and how we love snacking, the perfect role. So that's how I ended up where I am. And you get to eat the biscuits quite a lot. Of course, yes, <laughs> definitely. No, I, yeah. I, yeah, part of my role is being accountable for those biscuits and how they taste and the flavours of them, that they're balanced. So, yes, I, I do eat a lot of biscuits and chocolate. So, yes. <laughs> it's really interesting. It's um, and Talking about the products that you were talking about before, the, um, the kind of personal products and that sort of thing, the female-led products, I think it's something that comes up a lot in conversations that I have, women in senior roles who understand the market and the consumers that they're dealing with is so important, isn't it? And I think it's brilliant that you're in a senior role, female, and you know, represent, being able to represent, I'm not saying men don't like chocolate biscuits, but I'm sure quite a lot of your consumers are women as well. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. It's all, all consumers, but yeah, it's good to bring that understanding of what consumers are looking for and females. Brilliant. And so you're clearly, you've had a very successful career. And what do you believe has been a sort of major factor in you achieving success? Coming up through science and a STEM career, obviously allies all the way through. So whether it was professors at universities doing my PhDs or allies, both male and female, through different companies who supported my career and made sure I got experiences. So I like to carry, you know, give that back now, the importance of just stepping in to help young females or, you know, any young person really understand where they're going and giving them the opportunities. And also I love what I'm doing. So it's so easy if you have a passion for what you want to do and you're getting those experiences every day. There's rarely a day where I go, I haven't loved something about that job. So I think that's so key. Absolutely. I think it's so important, isn't it? I can't, I can't understand when people don't enjoy what they do, how they continue the job. And I think, you know, talking about confidence, that's, I think, gives you a lot of confidence if you do enjoy what you're doing as well. Exactly. Yep. So like me, you're also a strong advocate for gender equality and you sit on the DNI committee and are involved in the, the Women's Network at Pladis. How important do you think it is for women to talk about their experiences and the obstacles and challenges that they face at work? Critical. It's so critical. You know, 
being through all my life stages and as a career woman, having those opportunities to be able to speak to women, you know, first of all in Asia, so in going into Japan where women in the early 90s, you know, once they got engaged, they didn't work, but saying, yes, you can work, you know, here's examples of that, all the way through to examples that I've had from senior leaders telling me about work-life balance and, you know, Denise Morrison, who was the CEO of Campbell Soup, getting women together and talking about her children and, and not just all about a career. It made you, it normalized it for you. So, every stage, the more we can talk and bring awareness of the balances, it just normalizes it. And you go, okay, you either say, this is, I now understand I'm not alone in this. So, I find a network of people that are the same. So, I've been very lucky to be part of the International Women's Forum Fellowship Program 10 years ago in my career. And those 30 women who are across all business sectors, across all the world, we're in WhatsApp constantly every day. It's not just sharing how it went at work or the glass ceiling to get to the C-suite or what happened at work. It is what are the kids doing, you know, how are we balancing them off to college, you know, all those sort of stuff. And it's so critical just to have the discussions. Absolutely. And as you know, I've written a book called Don't Fix Women, um, The Practical Path to Gender Equality at Work. And, and one of the sections is all about the obstacles that women face. And the first one's around the four M's, which is monthly miscarriage, maternity and menopause then caring responsibilities and confidence. And we run a menopause hub, actually, which is just incredible. Just like you say, it's a support group for women who are going through sort of perimenopause or menopausal symptoms and being there for each other and being able to share that. And it's been life-changing for some of these women to actually say, I'm not alone in this. It's fascinating. You know, I'm going through something and no one talks about, but suddenly there's a group of other women who are talking about that. You know, even now talking to young women, you know, who've just starting off with young families and babies and, you know, to say, that's your focus at the moment. That's okay for your career to be your focus. You balance that stage because it's a stage. It's a life stage and go through it. But just being able to balance the madness of it at that time. Exactly. And I don't know what you think about this, but one of the core things we talk about is permission to pause and actually knowing that, you know, as a, a senior woman in, a, in an organization, I'm sure you say the same to people. It's a very small chunk of time and actually you can pause. You know, nothing's going to happen. It's often we beat ourselves up actually, rather than anybody else. <laughs> no, definitely. I think it's so important to tell, you know, women as through their careers, now I look back at this stage, the importance of those pause. You know, I always was pretty, you know, went back to work very fast with my first son and the second son came very quickly. But <laughs> so I then took 12 months. Now I go back and like that didn't affect my career at all. You know, it gave me, you know, I was paused. I was better for it. And it was such a short, you know, period within the whole life. I always also through their whole school life, I would take a leave day. I would do canteen duty. I, and now I look back at the time, it was like, I really can't. Why am I standing here buttering sandwiches? You know, what am I doing this for? But I was all I saw them, and now I look back. It was such a small period. It was only a couple of hours, you know, you know, every couple of months. But it was so important. So, yeah, I look back at it. So important to make those pauses. And I think you often find, I don't know whether you feel this as well, but I often feel like I'm a bad mum and a bad work, you know, bad at work because I can't, you know, you're trying to juggle the whole time. And, and it's such a hard thing, isn't it, for women in particular, I think. Yeah. And it is hard, right? We're tough on ourselves. With hindsight, I just go, wow, we want perfection. I was the mother, you know, up at 1am making the cupcakes for, and then realising the other mother who may not have been working bought them at the local shopping centre beforehand. But I was that um, mother and, you know, just pausing. 
Once again, Denise Morrison in one of her, you know, we asked about work-life balance and I always remember her saying is, there's no work-life balance. Don't be silly. Within a day, you will not have work-life balance. It doesn't happen. Within a week, you mightn't have it. But what's so important is within a month, you say, I've had that work-life balance. I've had the pause. I've had the time off. I've been able to renew myself. Definitely, as you look back over the year, have you paused to do that? So, I think the actual concept of work-life balance in a day sort of destroys us because because there will be the hectic days where you'll be making the muffins at midnight and stuff like that, but you need to pause. Absolutely. And that brings us really nicely onto the season of the, the, the theme for this podcast is well-being and self-care. So tell me, you know, what does well-being mean to you? Well-being means to me the balance of my emotional self, you know, so, you know, Am I feeling good? Do I feel I have a sense of purpose? Have I taken the time to emotionally get myself in a good spot? The social me, so, you know, am I connected with families, my family, friends, the community? Am I doing things in the community? And spiritual, spiritual is important to me. Am I connected to a higher purpose? Is there something? So that balance to me is what well-being means to myself, yeah. I mean, that spiritual thing's an interesting one. I, I wasn't going to talk about that, but that's quite an interesting point you make because it's, it's something that doesn't get talked about a lot, does it? I mean, what does that mean to you, that spiritual side of things? Yeah, spiritual is, you know, to me, whatever that higher power from wherever you are, that you have something that lifts you from the day-to-day and that you can feel that you're centred in something else beyond the hectic of what's happening in that day. And I think you talk about confidence. Sometimes I'll go off on my spiritual, but then when I get rooted back in my spiritual, it, it just does give me the confidence. It does give me the passion because I say, okay, this is just a moment in time. There's a higher being for this and it allows me to move forward. So, yeah. And I think you're, you're right. And things like nature, I think for me is, you know, going going out into nature and just, uh, you know, looking around you and thinking there is more to life than, you know, sitting at a computer. <laughs> Definitely. And I think COVID times taught us all about that, right? When we got were connected to that computer for too long, going out and being connected with whatever else it is, is so important. So, yeah. I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. I want to take a moment to tell you a little bit more about my reasons for doing this podcast. My mission is to work together to navigate a path to gender equality. I'm passionate about enabling every woman to have the confidence to progress in their career. And I love talking to and sharing women's stories to inspire others. This podcast forms a small part of what we do. And if you think there's room for improvement in the way your organisation understands and manages the issues, barriers and obstacles that women face in the workplace, please get in touch or tell your HR contact about us. There's a link in the show notes. And don't forget, Coach Matters is offering you three months free membership of its network when you reference this podcast. Their Business Development Masterclasses and Nourish series of wellbeing events are also now available to non-members. See the show notes to find out more. So do you think you've got the right balance between work and sort of home life? And how do you make sure you find time for yourself? Yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> but I would say yeah, through my career, I'm a lot better balanced now. And probably because my sons are you know, thousands of miles away and I don't have to worry about them every day. Although they're still child adults. There's still moments. Because I'm passionate about my job, I think I overdo that at times. And I do have to recommit to myself of 
take the time, take the pause. Yeah? It's almost now too because all those years of trying to balance everything and now it's this time of, you know, okay, this can be more about my husband and I. It, it's interesting how you, you, you're still you know, 100% on at work. So it, I do have to pause and take those moments. Amazing. So um, I'd love to know kind of what you do to focus on your own health and happiness. What kind of things do you do to, to take that time out? Really, it is uh, taking that time out. So I, I'd love to say I go to the gym every morning. I would love to go to the gym. I don't. <laughs> so, but I think, you know, what you said before about, you know, reconnecting with my spiritual self is important, taking the, the walks. So I do the walks. I take the time out just by myself to have those moments. And what I've learned through my career, it doesn't have to be a long time. For me, it is taking the time, taking those deep breaths, you know, just focusing for five or 10 minutes is enough to renew me. So that's how I balance. And every now and then I, I do know, and I know when I put myself first from a health and wellness perspective, I do have so much more energy and it's better balanced as well. And I think there's often things like phone pinging and I must, I must, I must take my phone pinging off because I keep thinking those notifications are not good for your health, are they? But, and I, <laughs> something I keep thinking I must do that because it doesn't, it sort of does interfere with your sort of, you know, train of thought and all of those kind of things. Disconnecting, disconnecting, yeah, it's so important. So have you ever struggled with mental load or, you know, I sometimes call it brain strain um, or overwhelm? <laughs> what, what do you find helps? Definitely. And I think to me it's when the the story in, you know, in my brain, you know, talks too loud is when that happens. So I think that's also about confidence, right? Normally it's also when my little voices are telling me something that no one else in the room knows only I know I'm thinking that that's when I get that strain and the you know, the stress really. So for the first thing I do is note that it's me saying it. And sometimes I'll, I'll be sitting in a, a leadership team meeting and I think they don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> I actually have to have that thought to myself. They don't know what I'm thinking. So it is doing that out and, you know, actually telling myself that, you know, it's in my brain. So let's take the moment really what it is and then resort myself and reprioritize so that's normally what I have to do and it works for me absolutely I know people who give their sort of that little mind monkey a name and you know they, they talk to it and say just you know Brian just be quiet or you know whoever whoever um, and actually I talk about it you just reframe that that negative talk into something positive actually and just by changing that in your brain it can can really help can't it so I think you're one of my only podcast guests who's worked in four different continents, actually, Australia, Japan, the USA, and the UK. So how have you found that? And that's um, obviously interested to know if there's any difference between those cultures in prioritizing well-being and fitting self-care into working lives. I know in the US, they, they do a lot of, you know, women don't get much time off for maternity, for example, and that kind of thing. So I'd love to know sort of. And that is interesting as you go around the world and things you, you know, I think going to Japan, for example, with women, I was very aware and, you know, supported and mentored a lot of women in that stage about balancing their careers and things like that. It was interesting going to the US and realising how lucky, you know, I was for coming from Australia with maternity leave or how, you know, in the UK. So it is interesting as you go around the world and see things. Obviously, I actually think, but, you know, how they prioritise, there's the, the general trends within those countries. But women coming through their careers and coming, you know, moving up in executive actually are more alike than we think. <laughs> so, you know, as I go, you know, some uh, East Coast to West Coast, 
US, you'll find completely different people, right? So it's to me, it's about where you are in your life stage, what are you prioritizing at that? And those fundamental problems of, you know, the three M's, as you said, they they are through the whole wherever, whichever country you are. You know, I could be in Jakarta in Indonesia, you know, Dublin, wherever, and you come down to the same factors. Interesting, yeah, I just remember, I was at the Consumer Goods Forum Global Summit the last couple of days, and that's the Consumer Good Forum for all fast-moving consumer good companies. Yeah, there was a presenter there from Nielsen IQ, and her name's Sherry, I think Sherry Frey is her name. And she was presenting at the moment definitions of vari- of wellness across the globe. So when I, you know, I thought that it was really quite interesting and the definition of wellness across the globe basically was the same, but you see large variations in what's important. But the definition she was moving, it was you, from how much sleep you get, medical health, mental health, nutrition, and fitness and things like that. So she went across. And it was interesting, across all the countries she looked at, sleep was number one on how you determine your wellness. So it didn't matter which, and she looked at Brazil and Japan and, you know, I think Australia was in there, European countries, North America. Sleep was number one. Depending then on region, mental health just come ahead of medical health. So even that's, it's, it's, it's quite interesting, right? You would have thought medical health been up there. But sleep was not. So how were they, definition of wellness started with, you know, the first priority was sleep, then mental, then medical health. And fu- fundamental, isn't it? It's like one of those sort of on the hierarchy of needs. It's like you need sleep, you need water. Yes. Yeah, so across the medical obviously came up in countries where it's harder to get. But yeah, I thought that was interesting as you look across the world. Yeah. Brilliant. So um, as you know, this podcast is called The Confidence Conversation. So I wanted to talk a a little bit about confidence. So you work with business leaders and boards, but have you ever experienced times at work where you've personally lacked confidence? And if so, how have you dealt with it? Definitely. I always have an imposter syndrome. How did I get to chief R&D office of a large, you know, the second biggest baking company in the world? You know, how am I looking after McVitie's and Jacob's and brands like that? So definitely that can happen. Confidence, I think it gets back to, we talked a bit about before, the voice in my head. What am I saying to myself at the moment? I'd sit around boardrooms and think, especially coming from technical and also female, when you're sitting there and you're the only female, sometimes it's like, really, I'm not going to open my mouth because this seems so straightforward to me and they just talk, talk, talk. So I had to get over the fact that it was important to talk up and have my view. And that came from definitely the little voice in my head. Things as well that helped me. Now, I'm 5'11", so about 180 centimetres, so you can't tell within a podcast, but I'm very tall. But I know when I'm in those rooms, I can sometimes hunch over, you know, try to make myself smaller. So just taking that moment of those 180 centimetres are coming out, I'm going to stand tall, I'm going to take the deep, deep breath. It's amazing how that can switch me to the confidence and saying, no, I know what I'm, besides, and thirdly, I'm passionate about this, so I'm going to talk about it. So, but it starts with that standing up, being tall and being passionate. Amazing. And um, I'd love to finish on really what your top tips are for other women in terms of, you know, looking after your own well-being whilst progressing your career. You know, if you could sort of look back now and sort of give your younger self some advice, what would that be? Yeah. So be kind to yourself. (laughs) I think number one, be kind to yourself. Be 
self-aware. It's hard when you're in the in that those moments of everything going on and you're trying to be the superwoman. Kind to yourself. Realize that work-life balance doesn't happen in a day. Look at it a bit longer. Did you get work-life balance this week? Did you feel have that time out? So that would be the number. It's the the normal thing. I know you've spoken about. We don't. We put ourselves last. But make sure, so sure as you're doing that, that you're being kind to yourself. After yourself, do put your family first. Those relationships, those community, you know, whether it's your partner or your family or your children or just your community, they will give you so much energy back. So, and they will probably help you more than you've ever realized. I haven't had one person, ally, or anyone within my career where I finally articulated oh, look, I need this time off, or I'm confused, I don't know what to do. When I've asked for help, I actually have never had anyone say, no, don't be ridiculous, go and do it. So making sure that you're using your whole community, people at work is so important. And finally, follow your passion. If you're not happy at work, (laughs) I don't know, we're the company that make happy, be happy in every bite. So be happy and be passionate and make sure that you're doing what you love because we're a long time at work and it's so critical. So that would be my three things. Amazing. That's so wonderful, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being with me this morning and sharing your amazing views. And it's been lovely to uh, have the conversation. So thank you and have a lovely day. Uh, Thank you so much. it for this week. Thank you very much for listening and I'll be back again soon with another Confidence Conversation. If you know anyone who might find this podcast useful, please do pass on the link and it would give me a real confidence boost if you could subscribe, rate and even leave a review. If you like what you've heard, join us at the confidenceconversation.club where I'll be sharing tips and notes from each episode and you can send in your ideas for future topics. And remember, you can get three months free membership of Coach Matters Network when you reference this podcast. To book, get in touch at coachmatters.co.uk forward slash MCM. Thank you. And until next time, bye for now.